Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Jaguars show. I'm Justin Dunk, joined by Spencer German from 92.3, the fan in Cleveland, and BrownsDigest.com. You can follow Spencer on X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it these days, at <laughs> Spencito underscore. Thanks for joining the show, man. Yeah, man. Happy to do it. I'm uh, looking forward to this matchup this weekend. Um, obviously, a lot has changed. I know we'll get into that, given the the injuries that both these teams are kind of dealing with. But uh, it should be a fun one, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you today. Indeed. I'm curious from your perspective, are the Browns preparing as if Jacksonville's franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is going to play on Sunday? Yeah, so just from my observations out of practice on Wednesday, it feels that way. Like, I, And I know you'll always get the coach speak answer of, yeah, you know, we're going to prepare like their starters out there. That's kind of always what, what people, what, what coaches will say and what players will say. And I do think there's probably some truth to that. Um, but we also know like sometimes they just say that because it's, you know, the right thing to say because they don't want to stir the pot or cause any controversy being like, oh, yeah, we're not worried about Trevor Lawrence. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think they are. I think the expectation is that you prepare for him. And if you get C.J. Beathard, then it's, you know, for, it, it favors them and that they have a little bit of a better matchup there in terms of the quarterback play. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Kevin Stefanski, he talked on Wednesday just about how he has familiarity with some guys on the, on that staff and how, you know, there's, there's a lot of impressive things that they do. So I, I don't think they're going into this one just assuming he's not going to play. I think that, too, like the the – and you never know, like there's there's gamesmanship that goes on, right? But the fact that Lawrence wasn't in a walking boot, the fact that there's you know optimism that he could be available, and some of the outside reporting is that it might be too quick of a turnaround to get him to play by Sunday. But I think like they're just kind of looking at it full scale, saying, "Hey, we're operating on the assumption that he'll be out there. He's not in a walking boot. Nobody said he's out yet, so let's just let's just go about our business preparing, like as as, as if he will play." It is interesting, as you said, with the gamesmanship that goes on there, because Lawrence comes out for his media availability on Wednesday with pretty much just a compression sock on that right high ankle sprain. And I was told that at practice on Wednesday, even though he was listed as a DMP, it was really just a walkthrough practice. And Lawrence mm. took all the first team reps. So, I mean, it kind of depends who you talk to in Jacksonville yeah. in terms of whether or not they think Lawrence is going to play. Stefanski said he's seen Lawrence play hurt or on a short week before and that's happened this season yeah. Thursday night game in New Orleans there was a lot of focus on his knee they brace it up he played and he actually had a career best rushing game that day so very intriguing situation I want to get to the Browns quarterback situation in a minute but before I do football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats news scores and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, it's where the game starts. The Browns are a banged-up team. Who do you expect to start at QB on Sunday, Joe Flacco or DTR? 
Yeah, you know, we, we talk about the gamesmanship part of it from the Jaguar standpoint. I think there's a little bit of that going on with the Browns as well. Um, you know, and, and it's funny, like you talk about Trevor Lawrence taking the first team reps and that's where it gets interesting because sometimes teams just put a guy out there when the media is out there. So it looks that way. And then you don't really know. Um, and I think the same sort of thing kind of played out for us uh, out in uh, on the on the west side of town here where the where the Browns practice yesterday because they had Joe Flacco taking all the first team reps with the notion that D, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was back at practice yesterday, but he wasn't through the concussion protocol yet. So I know there's always a lot of vagueness with how the concussion protocol like works, like what the step-by-step really is. I know there's the test that they have to pass again, and they have to get the same score they initially got and all these different things. But it sounds like he's progressing towards being ready for Sunday. But I don't know. So I don't know if Flacco taking the majority of the passing reps in the, the open portion of practice that we saw was about, well, Dorian Thomas Robinson – we're going to sort of ease him back in. So he's only taking a few, or if it truly was a testament to Joe Flacco's the the number one guy this week. Now I tend to believe it's the latter. I think just all signs seem to point to the fact that that Flacco should be the guy for this team on Sunday and maybe for the rest of the season, really from the Browns sake, because I tell you what, man, this offense, and you're right. Like Browns have been banged up. They've been maybe the most injured team. I might be a little biased in saying that because I'm on the beat and I, I follow the team. So I, I'm like well more aware of the number of injuries that they've dealt with this year. But they are the only team to this point that started four different quarterbacks this season. So that's pretty telling. Um, but yeah, like they might be the most banged up team in football. And the fact that they're still in the playoff picture is pretty remarkable. But this offense under Flacco on Sunday looked different than it has even when Deshaun was out there at times. They were efficient. They moved the ball up and down the field. Flacco had a lot of zip on the ball still, even at, even at the ripe age of 38 years old. And I think like there was just something about the way they're moving up and down the field that that makes me believe he's the right person to kind of lead this offense both Sunday and moving forward. So I'm kind of going into it expecting that's the decision. Kevin Stefanski in that gamesmanship sort of mentality is keeping it close to the vest. He's saying I'm not. He's basically saying I'm not making a decision until I absolutely have to. Um, but I just reading the tea leaves, it feels like it's going to be Flacco. If it is Flacco starting a quarterback, or even if it is DTR, I guess, do you think that the number one target, Amari Cooper, could be on the field for the Browns on Sunday? Based on what Kevin Stefanski said Wednesday, I do. Um, he made it sound like, and it's it's always, again, it's tough with the concussion protocol because you never know. I mean, Marquise Goodwin, who's on the Browns roster, he had a concussion, I think, four weeks ago now against the the Cardinals. And he hasn't come back since still kind of going through that concussion protocol. So it kind of varies person to person. It varies player to player. So you never really know. But Kevin Stefanski sort of made uh, optimistic comments just about how he's progressing in the right direction. And so it does sound like Amari Cooper could be ready for Sunday. I'm a little bit cautiously optimistic from the Browns standpoint that he'll be ready to go. But it's, it sounds like he could be out there, and I think that's a big boost for the offense because for an offense that's lost Nick Chubb, that's lost Deshaun Watson, that's dealt with all the injuries it's dealt with, it'd be nice if they had their, their top receiver out there. And I think early on in that game last week, even though he got injured, you could tell early on Joe Flacco was going his way and trying to get the ball in his hands. So I think that, that gives this offense a boost that they would desperately need. On the defensive side for the Browns, Denzel Ward looked like he was back at practice on Wednesday. Could he return to the lineup? It looks that way for him. Uh, I believe he practiced yesterday fully, so there was no limitations or anything like that. And that was kind of the expectation that he would miss a couple weeks and then he'd get back out there. So 
trending in the right direction towards Denzel Ward being out there. And I tell you, that's maybe, you know, we we talked on the beat just about how how many more injuries can this team sustain? And, and would, would mile like would an injury to Miles Garrett kind of be the kicker that did the season in? But the last couple of weeks, like for a defense that had led the league in so many different statistical categories throughout the season, I think they were exposed by missing Denzel Ward. Like there was a lot of Matt Stafford um, was very much going after the and Russell Wilson were very much going after the the vacated cornerback spot that he left open and kind of picked on Greg Newsom a little bit. So I think getting him back in the lineup is a massive, massive um, need and desire for this defense because he having that guy out there, I'm sure, as you're well aware, who can take away uh, half the field for you or lock a guy up is is so important on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that is a key to keep watching for both sides of this matchup going into the, going into Sunday. Cause if he plays, that's a big boost for the bronze defense. Not that he's not going to be out there, but there seems to be some injury concern around miles Garrett. Do you think he's dealing and playing through an issue? Yeah. So it, it's, it's a great question and it's important I think to bring up because um, a couple weeks back against Denver, miles Garrett was seen in a sling um, after the game. And obviously like your eyes, your eyes, your eyebrows raise when you see that because he's such an important part of this team. One of the best defensive players in football, if not one of the best players overall in football. And again, how many injuries can this team possibly sustain and overcome? That's obviously a major one. So, um, what the, he was fine last week. He kind of progressed through practice and was able to play, um, Sunday against the Rams with, with no limitations expected, but there is some concern that there might be something sort of lingering in the shoulder. It was a shoulder injury for him. And I don't know if your fan base necessarily remembers this, but last year he got in a car accident that uh, sort of had him out a couple of weeks. And one of the injuries that he sustained in that car accident that he was dealing with was a shoulder injury. There was some reporting that was done on the fact that maybe there's just something that's kind of in there. That's always going to bother him unless he gets surgery on it. And he just doesn't feel like he needs the surgery. It might be one of those deals where, you can play with it. There might be some discomfort, but it's not the end of the world if you don't get surgery and there's maybe not a risk to injure it further. Um, and it's just a pain tolerance thing. So I don't. we don't know the full scope of that injury, if it is a lingering effect of that car accident, if it's going to hinder him for the rest of this season or for the rest of his career. But it definitely seems like there's something going on there. And now the question is because he he was held without a tackle in that game against the Rams last week at first for his career. And I think there's some concern that, you know, he's just not going to be quite as effective or quite the same guy if this shoulder still bothering him. Now that could change in an instant. I mean, he's so good. He's a freak of nature. We all know these, these narratives and things about him. So all it takes is maybe a couple of plays here or there, and he's right back on track to us feeling like, okay, he's good. The shoulder's not uh, limiting him. But right now I think, yeah, like the, there's a little bit of a red flag raised on the fact that Miles Garrett might be just kind of out there more as a decoy at the moment that may be more so as the Miles Garrett that we're used to. Jaguars offensive coordinator Press Taylor was asked about Garrett, and he said he's a freak show. He looks like the Hulk. <laughs> We've watched the highlights of him playing basketball, doing the 60-inch box jump. He said it's incredible what he's able to do. He's got the speed, power, quickness, and he's a total package because he can align anywhere on the field. He said flat out he's a problem and that Miles Garrett is his own beast when – you might try to compare him to some of the other pass rushers or defensive linemen in the league. 
even if he is playing with some of the issues you just talked about, can he still be a game wrecker? I think so because here's the thing with Miles Garrett, man. Like I, I, I think our, you know, the Browns fan base, they get very caught up in when he hasn't gotten a sack late in a game. I get all the, I get all the, the tweets on social media and everything. People who are like, where's Miles Garrett been all day? And it's, it's funny because the stat doesn't always tell the full story of how impactful Miles Garrett is to a game. And that's why stuff I think like Pro Football Focus and some of these other websites that really analyze, give out grades. And I know there's, you know, you take some of it with a grain of salt. It's not a perfect science, but some of these websites that track those things and measure those things, I think they are important because those sites oftentimes do show you that Miles Garrett's impact in a game, even if it's not, hey, he didn't have a sack on this in this game. Okay, well, how about the fact that he drew double teams 85% of the game? And that allowed somebody like Zadarius Smith or Obo Okoronkwo or somebody else to get a sack. That's the stuff that goes unnoticed, I think, with Miles. And so, yeah, like I think as long as he's out there, there's going to be attention paid to him no matter who they're playing. There's going to be you know teams that – and you, you can't always put two offensive linemen on him. Sometimes it's the tight end that you could sort of chip him with. Sometimes it's a running back that you chip him with. But I think because he just generates so much attention that he always – he can still be a game wrecker in a different way – because he could still open up opportunities for other people. So I, I think that's the thing that the Jaguars, I'm sure, are trying to be mindful of this week, whether or not he's fully the Miles Garrett that we're used to or not. Um, I think they're still aware of his presence, and I think that can still be p- impactful on this defense for the rest of the season. Garrett's on a level of his own, and Josh Allen, the Jags' pass rusher, is trying to get there. Yeah. Do you believe the Browns' injury-plagued O-line can – even slow down Allen, who already has a personal best 13 and a half sacks on the season? Yeah, he actually – I know he just passed Miles this past week in terms of sacks because Miles didn't have any, and he's sort of stuck at 13 and a half himself or 13. Um, so – and he's kind of gotten jumped of late by a couple other guys. But, yeah, um, I think what's interesting about the Browns O-line right now is the interior guys have kind of been the key cogs in all this. So Joel Batonio, Ethan Posick, and Wyatt Teller – and there were some games where they were doing a lot more gap run running schemes and they were the uh, like zone stuff this week, they got back to a little bit more zone because I think they were trying some different things out, but um, I think it's kind of started with those guys anchoring things down. Now your right tackle situation. I think Dewan Jones has, has emerged as a potential cornerstone right tackle for this team. He's been surprisingly solid for the Browns. Um, later round draft pick that you didn't really know what you were going to get from him. And he's panned out um, pretty incredibly for his first year um, ever since he had to start filling in week one when, when Jack Conklin went down. So I feel pretty good about that side of the offensive line for Cleveland. It's the left side. That's a little bit of a question. They've, they've had a Jerron Con Jerron um, why am I drawing a Blake? Williams? I forget. I'm drawing a Blake on his last name at the moment, but um, he's been sort Christian. of holding. Yeah. Christian, my bad. He's been on the, the left side playing a lot and he has had some good moments. He's had some bad moments, but um, I also know the Browns are kind of waiting to get Jed Wills back um, who was on the IR and he's this, this week sort of opens up his, his window, his four, his four week window where he can return to practice. Now, yesterday, Kem Stefanski, gave his very standard we'll play it by you know we'll play it day to day um with with jed so we're not sure if he's going to return this week 
but um, you know that's kind of a situation to monitor. I'm guessing he's probably not back this week. The MCL injury he had, it's generally like a four to six week thing. So if there's if there's a side that you're a little more cognizant of being a weakness for this team, I think it's the right side right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've done a, as, as best of a job they could throughout the season. I also think to go back to the top of the, the conversation here, if you have Joe Flacco under center, I think that helps the situation as well because somebody like Josh Allen trying to get after the passer, somebody who's a veteran and Joe Flacco, who, yeah, he's not the same Joe Flacco he was when he was carrying the Ravens to the Super Bowl in 2012. But I think we saw last week, like he's still got that internal clock. He still knows to get rid of the football. He's not going to make a lot of major mistakes. And so I think that helps the cause too, which is another reason why it's probably beneficial to have Flacco out there when you got an, an elite pass rusher going against you on the other side. From the Jags' perspective, I actually think they're okay if Flacco does start because they know the trigger point is usually going to be the same there. And Allen yeah. has shown he's been able to take advantage of that, and he's only a sack and a half away from setting the single-season franchise record, which was set by Calais Campbell in 2014 when he had 14 and a half sacks. So it just needs one and a half more sacks to pass Campbell – and overall in his career, 69 games for Allen, 41 sacks. So this dude knows how to get after the passer. He's obviously had a massive year in a contract year. And he's really looking to get paid. So I think that matchup on both sides of the ball, they're not squaring off against each other, but Garrett and Allen is very intriguing and will tell us a lot about who's going to come out on top yeah. in this game. I'm curious, you live there, you cover the team, you know what it's like. They've really used their home stadium as an advantage. How has Cleveland been able to do that with this five and one home record this season? Yeah, I think if, if you dive even deeper than that too, um, and this has been a topic of a conversation this week, the their, their splits for points allowed at home versus points allowed on the road, there's a massive discrepancy there. On the road, they're giving up like 30 points a game. At home, they're giving up like 10 points a game. So for some reason, there, there's a comfortability there being able to play at home. I also think it's been maybe somewhat aided by some of the quarterbacks that they played at home. Um, you had the week where you played the Cardinals right before uh, Kyler Murray got back. You obviously you played the Steelers in there and Kenny Pickett. That was pre Matt Canada getting fired. So he was he's been struggling at times this year. You had like Ryan Tannehill come to Cleveland this year. So I don't know that it's necessarily been this like murderer's row of quarterbacks that they played at the stadium either. But I do think there's a little bit of added juice down on the lakefront where the fans sort of give this team some uh, some 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 juice and they're able to, you know, feed off of that on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think there's probably some truth to that with, with most teams like you play at home. There's a comfortability to it. And there's just a little added bonus to having the, 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 the crowd behind you. So I think that will affect maybe the D, especially the defensive side of the ball a little bit this this week. Um, but. Yeah, I, 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 there's there's definitely something something to that with the Browns in terms of how they played at home versus how they played on the road. The difficult part for Cleveland might be the fact that the Jaguars are 5-0 and on the road and 6-0 and in games outside of Jacksonville. They had the two games in London. One was a home game for the Jags. The other was an away game. And it kind of felt like that because Bill's Mafia really traveled well for that game in London that Jacksonville was able to win. It's almost like this... Jags team is more focused and I think they really have thrived in the underdog role this season the games that they've lost have all come at home and some of them have been big time matchups but they seem to just for whatever reason lock in on the road so that standpoint in terms of the record 
the Browns at home, the Jags on the road will be one that something's got to give there. Yeah. The Browns well, actually are – sorry, you go ahead. No, no, I was I was just going to say I think, too, the weather could be interesting this weekend, too. It's calling for some some wind, some some rain, sleety-type weather. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about the weather being like a home field advantage, though, and I think there's other times where we maybe play that up a little bit too much because I don't really think any of these teams like playing in that type of weather. I mean, <laughs> think about last year in the playoffs, right? Bills, Bengals come to Buffalo in the postseason – and everyone in Buffalo is like, oh, we got this great home field advantage. It's going to be a blizzard on Sunday. And then the Bengals like waltzed all over them in their own house in the snow. So I don't know how much of a factor that is. Maybe it's a little bit different when it's a team coming from Florida that's used to the nice weather that you guys have down there more so often than we do. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much that will be a factor, but I think it could certainly change the game plans, at least for these teams, especially if you don't have Trevor Lawrence out there, where do you really want to be dropping back and slinging it all over the yard if it's going to be rainy and, and you know, how effective will that part of your, your offense be? So I think for both teams, that could be a factor as well. It's going to have an impact. And I think it's impacted the points total for the game. Vegas odds makers have it at 31 and a half. Like that's really mm -hmm. low. Yeah. The Jags opened as three point favorites, but then because Jacksonville played on Monday night football and the injury to Trevor Lawrence, it swung the other way. The Browns, are three-point favorites at home. Do you think that's warranted, and can Cleveland cover? You know, I was kind of surprised that it flipped that harshly. I'm like, and listen, I understand, like, the impact a quarterback injury is going to have on any matchup, of course. Like, if any team loses their starting quarterback, that changes the entire complexion of, of any game they have on their schedule. Um, so, and, and I figured, like, it would flip to the Browns being favored, but I thought it would be maybe, like, a courtesy, like, one and a half, maybe two. I didn't think it would jump all the way – flipping from the Jags being favored by three to now the Browns being favored by the exact same number. I think that might be pretty telling of the fact we always like to say Vegas knows something. Uh, maybe <laughs> Vegas knows that Trevor Lawrence isn't going to play before the, the, the Jaguars actually announce it. Um, and I guess they're putting a lot of stock in some of the stuff we just talked about, like just the home field advantage for Cleveland and their defense plays better at home. And maybe they're going to be able to slow down this offense a little bit easier with it being uh, CJ Beathard instead of, obviously Trevor Lawrence. So I do think the, the, I I'm, I'm curious about the, um, the over under though, of being 30, what would you say it was 30 and a half, right? 31 and a half. Yeah. yeah. 31 and a half that like, that's, that's pretty crazy. And I wonder how much like, that's just a testament to, they think a, the weather might be an impact, but also how effective is the Jags offense going to be without Lawrence because, I mean, like, we just watched the Browns put up 19 points by themselves with Joe Flacco. And if Joe Flacco's starting again, I don't see why the Browns can't get at least to that again. And I know the Jaguars with Lawrence, you would imagine they put up more than that anyway. So, yeah, it's an interesting number for the for the spread. But, um, but we'll, yeah, I, I, it's, it's always hard to say, but I think some of those things, those outside factors certainly play a role in that. Perhaps some of the other injuries that Jacksonville's sustained or dealing with on offense factored in. Christian Kirk's going to be out for this game with yeah. a core muscle injury. They're still trying to figure out what to do with him, whether or not he's going to have surgery. Walker Little, who started the season at left tackle for four games, kicked into left guard when Cam Robinson came back from his PED suspension, kicked back out to left tackle. He was injured in that Monday night football game. There seems to be some uncertainty whether or not he's going to play. A lot of people think in Jacksonville that Blake Hans could start at left tackle. Obviously, Browns fans know him a little bit from his time in Cleveland. So I think maybe you kind of combine all these injuries on offense that these teams are dealing with, and that's why Vegas has this 
very low overall points total. I can put you on the spot, man, before we let you go. Who do you think wins this game? If you got a score, that's cool. But give me some why to this as well. If if Trevor Lawrence plays, I would take the Jaguars. But I'm operating under the assumption that he's not going to play. So I'm going to say going into this that it, it's crazy because like I started this week ready to talk about how this game feels like it's very much a must win for the Browns for their playoff like their playoff chances. Like you're talking about trying to get to 10 wins. You got five games left. Felt like you needed this one. And the outlook wasn't great when you know, okay, Trevor Lawrence is coming to town. They would have won that game on Monday night. They're in first place in the AFC. Like that, that's that's quite the challenge. But now obviously the outlook's completely changed. I think if it's if it's CJ uh, Beathard under center, I, I think I like the Browns' chances from a defensive standpoint to um, limit him. I know Travis Etienne is a weapon in his own right, but I and I think there's some there's some things that the Jaguars can exploit the run game. We've seen that the last couple of weeks, just the over aggression of of the Browns' defense kind of coming back to bite him a little bit with the with the ground game. So I think that's something that they'll have to sort of tighten up. But I think it would be enough, assuming Joe Flacco starts on the other side, that this offense can be efficient enough, put up enough points, and they'll maybe eke something out. I'm not ready to give you a score yet, but something that's close within, like, I think probably the Vegas spread being three is, is pretty accurate. Like, I'd say maybe like a, a one to two point game, and the Browns kind of squeak it out towards the end. I think it's going to be a tight game, and I think the Jags squeak it out for this reason. They're tied for second in the NFL with 21 takeaways, 12 interceptions, and nine fumbles. The Browns have turned the ball over 23 times, I'm sure, as you know, yeah. the most in the NFL. And Jacksonville's defense has shown that when it's had a poor outing, they've been able to bounce back the next week by, in large part, in recent history. Mm. So they let Jake Browning be the AFC Offensive Player of the Week on Monday Night Football in a game that everybody thought they would win. And there's been a lot of focus and talk about this in Jacksonville. Mike Caldwell defensive coordinator and the rest so i think they bounce back force enough turnovers that regardless of whoever's at quarterback trevor lawrence cj bethard or nathan rourke i think he actually in the long term has more upside than bethard does and of course bethard's a veteran but don't sleep on rourke if he gets into this game i think they eke out a it's not pretty but kind of a gritty win like 13 10 17 10 you know 14 10 like somewhere in there i think it's going to be a defensive battle you mentioned the elements earlier on and i think they're going to play a factor as well but there's just something about this jags team the way that they've been able to show to bounce back but i think either way it should be a close game which should be entertaining man that's Thanks another for jumping on Spencer. yeah no so i was just gonna add real quick like that's another you know the jaguars winning that way that's been the bronze mentality all season so uh, it's, it's that's kind of another you know crossroads moment you talk about their road record versus the browns home record another crossroads moment like who can win uglier almost in this thing. So it'll, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. But yeah, this, this was fun, man. And I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you, dude. What do they say in golf? There's no pictures on the scorecard. There's no pictures for how you get the win, right? Just get it done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.